Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state this afternoon, online, wherever you're tuned in. Always happy to have you part of our show every day at 1 o'clock. A good show today. We're about to bring on UAB baseball coach Perry Roth. But before we do, quick reminder about Dickie's Barbecue Pit and their support of the Eagle Hour and Southern Miss Athletics. You can enjoy their delicious food seven days a week. Uh, they cook it in their restaurant here in Hattiesburg. You can get it through the drive through or take home, however you choose. Just be sure you choose Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Well, an old nemesis, an old rival, a very familiar name coming to Pete Taylor Park this weekend, the UAB Blazers are in town for a four-game Conference USA weekend series. And we're really delighted this uh, afternoon to have UAB baseball coach Perry Roth on the show. First of all, Coach, uh, thanks uh, very much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much, Bob, for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on. And uh, hey, you made Dickie's Barbecue sound good. We may have to stop <laughs> there as a team and eat. There you go. They'd like that, I can assure you. <laughs> uh, Coach, we have uh, Scott Berry on the show every Monday for an extended period of time. And uh, and this week, I, I thought I'd pass along to you. He, he talked so highly about you. He uh, <laughs> said you guys have known each other for a long time and just uh, heaped a lot of praise on you as a, as a first-caliber baseball coach. Well, I appreciate that, and I, I know you know Coach very well. Uh, he doesn't always tell the truth, obviously, in this case. <laughs> and uh, uh, But, no, th- there's uh, no one who, um, I-, I think within our league, we have so many good people and, and so many good coaches in our league, and no one uh, outmatches Coach Barry. Uh, incredible person, an incredible man, uh, obviously a loyal and good friend, and um, – you know, by everything that he's done and every stop that he's ever been at from Meridian Community College to to Southern Miss, a fantastic and incredible baseball coach and incredible baseball mind. And so, um, you know, I, I just hope that uh, we can be competitive this weekend. And uh, I can tell you that uh, it's a good good chance that he's playing checkers and or he's playing chess and I'm playing checkers. See, I already screwed that up. So it just tells you where I'm at. So, no, but he's one of a kind. He, he is uh, fantastic. Coach, you've been at UAB for 14 years and, and now you're heading up the program. I, I guess an obvious question is how different is it for you now than it has been uh, in your past years uh, as an assistant and recruiting coordinator? Really different. Um, you know, as a, a assistant coach, um, you know, working with the hitters, uh, working with the, the recruiting aspect of it, you know, you miss a number of games to recruit. Um, your voice is really to the hitters and the offensive side of things. And, and now my voice is the whole team, and there's a different weight that that carries. And, um, you know, I have to make sure that I keep the pitchers in the a right mind frame as well as the hitters. And so um, I'm allowed to 
uh, kind of be myself and, and preach what I want to preach to our team. And, and so that aspect is really fun. Uh, on the other side of it, you know, you carry the weight of every part uh, of the baseball program from academics to uh, character building to, you know, performance on the field and you carry a different weight. But it is really, um, it's been an honor um, to have this role. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be in it. You've got three guys right now. I looked at your stats this morning, hitting over 300, uh, Chandler Simpson, Ian Ladner, Jess Davis. Uh, who are, I'm sure we'll hear these kids' names a lot this weekend, but who are some of the players on this uh, UAB team that you think Southern Miss fans uh, need to keep an eye on? Well, I think Chandler uh, Simpson and Jess Davis both hit at the top of the order, and they're exciting players because they really can run, and and uh, they're just kind of pests, you know, at the top of the order and, and give you really competitive at-bats. Um, you know, Ian Ladner from a Mississippi boy himself, and uh, uh, he's been dealing with a hamstring issue, and we're hoping that that thing is kind of getting itself cleared up and, uh, when he gets on a roll, he he really has the the power that I would say you know we we kind of missing from our lineup, and he can really drive a baseball, and um, you know those would be those would be the probably three guys, and then Zach Davis, the brother of Jess, has really come on, and he is really um, man, he's turned the season around. Uh, three weeks in, he was hitting about one hundred, and he's up to two seventy now, and and uh, putting together some really good at-bats. And, and then, of course, Colton Schultz. Um, that, that guy's just been Mr. Steady for us for four years, and he, he really has kind of flown under the radar from a lot of Conference USA um, awards and whatnot. But uh, he's been a four-year starter for us and hit about 300 year after year after year. He, he's just a, a really, really good college player. Nuts. And um so I would say that's kind of the the um, guys for us that um, kind of carry us. And then you know, we try to get the bottom of the order on base to let those guys kind of do their thing. But, you know, we're, we're hopeful that we can get uh, J. Paul Fullerton back. Uh, he's coming off a of knee surgery. You know, it's been dragging on for him for a couple months now. And he tried to gut it out and, you know, be tough and play through it. And it just... Um, you see the his numbers. I mean, that's the kid that was picked to be the All Conference catcher preseason, and mm-hmm. and so he just hasn't been himself. And so we're just starting to hopefully get him back a little bit, and and uh, we need him. Uh, we really do. Um, he, he's an impact bat for us, and we just got to try to get him healthy and see what the last half of the season can can bring from him. Right. Coach, uh, our coach over here, not a fan of these four-game weekend series. He indicated to us that really no coach in the league is. Your thoughts about that? Well, I guess it's the uh, it's what we've been given for this year, and, and uh, I would side with Coach Barry on that. Um, I'll never tell our team that though, because it is what it is, and and you don't have a choice. You got four games on your schedule. You got to play them, and. And you're set up to make excuses. You're set up to be tired um, halfway through that series and mentally and physically uh, be exhausted. And, and the game doesn't allow that for you. So um, my hope would be that they would go back to the three-game series next weekend or next year 100%. But uh, this weekend we have four games versus uh, a team like Southern Miss. And 
Um, it's going to be a, a, like fighting a bear. You, you don't quit when you're tired. You quit when the bear's tired. And I don't think Southern Miss <laughs> is going to get tired on us. So, And you um, had four, am I correct? You had four games last weekend against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, we did. Every conference weekend is a four-game series, and um, wow. it's uh, nine innings on Friday, uh, double hitter, double header, seven innings on Saturday, and a nine inning on Sunday. Yeah. And, and then, of course, on top of that, you got rain starting to play into a lot of these weekends. So mm-hmm. uh, there's you know, our opening weekend against Middle Tennessee State. We we were almost forced to go a, a seven inning double header and followed by a eighteen innings of baseball, a nine wow. inning double header. Wow. So. Uh, they're they're really long days. Um, it's hard to concentrate the whole time. You have to really, really try to force yourself to uh, not let your mind wander. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's not a, it's it, not a good situation, is it, Coach? It, it's not. And uh, I would just say it's very typical of kind of what the year as a whole has been for all of us. Now, you wouldn't say any of this has been a good situation, but you can always learn from from trials, and you can always learn from uh, things that challenge you, and so. Uh, this is a challenge for us, and, and it's a challenge for for every team, right? Um, you know, in our conference. No but, question. Uh, yeah, it's what we've been given. So here we go. All right, coach. Couple minutes left. I, I'm going to tell you, two minutes left. That UAB always puts a little fear in the hearts of Southern Miss fans. There's been such a rivalry, and so many times the Blazers have have hurt our feelings, for lack of a better term, uh, in, in a number of games. I just wonder. Is there a little something special in the air for your guys when you're playing the Golden Eagles like there is for our our kids when we're playing UAB? Uh, you know, I would say it's a – if you want to call it a rivalry, you can. Um, I think every time we play in the conference, there's a, a somewhat of a rivalry uh, just because they're conference games. Mm-hmm. Uh, from our standpoint, it's a, a massive amount of respect. Um, we know what we're getting when we come – uh, down to Hattiesburg, or, or when uh, Southern Miss comes to us, you're getting a, a, a very, very well-coached team. Um, you're getting uh, a very competitive team that's going to pitch well and is going to have some, some real power in the middle of the order. And um, So you know what you're getting. And you get a team that plays steady, and you get a team that doesn't uh, um, get into a lot of the hype that you know so many – college programs now have become today where it's let's see who can chirp the loudest at the other team and right. and uh, act crazy you're just getting a, a professional workman approach type of team and so we know what we're getting and, and I would say kind of knowing that makes it easy to prepare for um, right. I don't mean easy in terms of um trying to beat them i mean easy in terms of hey they, they go about their business this way this right. is what they're like this is how we prepare and right. and so all right coach i, I don't mean to interrupt you we're about to hit a yeah. hard break but i want to thank you sir for being on the show uh we always enjoy seeing your club over here and best of luck to you all year well i appreciate you having me on thank you so much eagle hour will continue Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Thursday, appreciate Perry Roth, the head coach of the UAB Blazer baseball team, sitting out with Bob a little earlier. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Blazers come in to the Pete. 
this weekend. Ten and sixteen overall, three and five in Conference USA. Tomorrow night's game at six p.m. Saturday, of course, the two seven inning double headers at two, and following, and then Sunday the finale at one p.m. Good thing is, uh, as we've seen some of these weather uh, weekends. As Coach Roth alluded to it, uh, they'll obviously be coming over in a bus. So that tends to lend itself well where nobody has to catch a plane. But anyway, UAB, Southern Miss, appreciate Coach Roth sitting down with Bob earlier. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street, just across the street from the administration building, the main entrance to Southern Miss. If you look right across the street, the big yellow building, Campus Bookmark. Not only do they sell books, they sell all kinds of Southern Miss swag and you coming in uh, this weekend to watch the Golden Eagles and the Blazers. Stop by, get you a new baseball hat, get you a baseball jersey. All of that's at Campus Bookmark. If you're not in Hattiesburg and you still want your swag, go to campusbookmark.net, and they will ship it straight to your house. All right, Kelly, big news today, and, and let's switch to football uh, for uh, a little bit. I thought this was was very good. Patrick uh, Sertain, or Sertain, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, one of the greatest ever, and he was – named today to be in the Senior Bowl Hall of Fame. Four-year letterman, uh, all-conference, uh, was was a part of Southern Miss on both sides of Conference USA, his junior and senior year, uh, a part of the two Conference USA uh, championships, of course, outright, 97, shared with Houston in, in 96. Kelly, I didn't know this. Um, you think about the, the 96 and the 97 defenses, and some names come to mind. Of course, uh, Adelius Thomas, uh, you know, TJ Slaughter, Ty Trahan, Latrell Pollard, all those big D linemen. Guess who led the team in tackles both in 96 and 97? I'm guessing you're going to say Patrick Sertain. 77 tackles in 1996, 127 tackles in 1997. That's a cornerback. Yeah, the guy could fly to the football, that's for sure. And and the thing on his pronunciation, Luke, when he was playing at Southern Miss, it was Sertain. But then when he went to the NFL, it was Sertan. And I remember Tony, uh, the former running back of the Dallas Cowboys, when he was in college at Pitt, it was Tony Dorsett. <laughs> and then when he went to the Cowboys, <laughs> it became Tony Dorsett. So maybe it's a thing. I don't know. Or somebody just never asked the guys in their college career, hey, how do you pronounce your name? But nonetheless, and now, you know, Patrick Sertan Jr. is looking to be a first-round pick in the NFL, and depending on who you talk to, you know, anywhere from a ninth pick in the first round or maybe a 16th. But um, he may be destined to the NFC East, to either the Cowboys or the Eagles. You know, we'll see. Um, be interesting. Funny if he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. But, uh, yeah, he, his son comes by it honestly, doesn't he? He'll uh, he'll one up his dad. Of course, his dad was forty fourth overall pick in nineteen ninety eight by the Miami Dolphins. Uh, played with the Dolphins for seven years. Played with the Chiefs for four years. He's he joins today. Joe Staley, Fred Taylor, Reggie Wayne, and current Saints defensive end Cam Jordan. That's a pretty good class. But Patrick, uh, I'm gonna say Sertain because that's what I said when he played at Southern Miss. Senior Bowl Hall of Fame, and. Uh, you you look back. Um, he's he's arguably the greatest cornerback uh, in history of Southern Miss. Third all time in interceptions. Um, Bubba Phillips, I think you called him Bubba <laughs> Bubba Phillips. Bubba Phillips number one. Ray Guy number two with eighteen career picks, and then uh, Patrick Sertain with with uh, with sixteen. But yeah, that's a really cool honor. You think about to be in a Hall of Fame, a part of the Senior Bowl, you get one one chance, one shot. 
and uh, one of Southern Miss's own named uh, to that today. I'm, I'm pretty pretty amazed by that, and and he was good. I mean, there's a reason why his son is going to be a first round pick because those genes run deep in that family. And when you see all the players that have played at the Senior Bowl over all those years, and then get to be handpicked, you know, by the committee out of all those players, that even makes makes it more special. It sure does, uh, and especially with some of those guys that I listened. But so, congratulations to Patrick Sertain, uh, Senior Bowl Hall of Fame today. Hey, um, sticking with football, Heath Hinton wasn't able to come on this week, and um, so uh, a couple things. He actually had a conversation with Will Hall, and he's he's posted this on Big Gold Nation, and and uh, just gave me the green light to go ahead and discuss some things. I thought this was really good. Some some interesting tidbits coming out of spring practice. Uh, number one, Kelly. It is now affirmed that Trey Lowe will be the starter headed into the summer. And the reason for that was uh, the, the staff felt like he separated himself and uh, after evaluating. And to, to your point, one of the reasons that the last day, the quote spring game, really wasn't a game, it was more of a tune-up, was because the real scrimmage the week before they wanted to be able to evaluate and, and to smooth some things out. So uh, your your thoughts about Trey Lowe, um, apparently now number one um, in the quarterback room going into summer practice. But if you'll remember, Luke, we called that about two weeks ago right here right here on this show. We said, you know, if, if you hear anything other than that, then you're not getting accurate information. Lowe had such a sensational spring that they've, you know, they've tailor-made some, some things that the Eagles do on offense based around his skill set. I mean, they, they changed some things they were doing specifically to play into his strengths. He was that good this spring. Lots of times, you know, spring practices are kind of, you know, bland. You don't really get a, you know, not a lot of excitement that comes out of the spring. You don't learn as much as you would like to. But he had a sensational spring. And that's why we said a couple of weeks ago, Lowe is your guy. I don't know what you're hearing, but Lowe is your guy. And now that is confirmed that, that Lowe will be, you know, all things considered, barring injury or anything, you know, of that, other than that, Lowe is, is going to be the starter. So that, that's always good to Decept- know who your quarterback is going to be, you know, the guy. Yeah. Deceptive speed, uh, Jason Brownlee and some of the receivers bragging about how well he was throwing the deep ball in the spring. And you got to believe, though, the locker room uh, is behind him. Nothing gets T-Webb and certainly nothing gets Ty Keys. They're just new faces in the room. And, you know, T came in, um, in, in earlier this spring. Ty will come in this summer. But Trey Lowe's a guy, Kelly, that everybody on that team looks at him and they say, dude, you were with us in the trench. You were with us through three different head coaches. You were with us the entire time. And you just got to think, I mean – just the way that the chips have fallen, Trello has so much more respect in that locker room. Not to the fault of the of the of one guy or the other guy that's going to come in, but simply because he's been there. And the fact that he that he's been so impressive throwing the deep ball is not surprising at all. If you rewind the tape far enough, you remember where he came from. He came from West Virginia, and that was a program. The Mountaineers were coached at that time by Dana Holgerson, who I think is now at Houston. Um, but Dana Holgerson's offense kind of went along with all the rest of the Big 12 offenses, you know, wide open, lots of passing, lots of offensive yards. So the fact that Trey Lowe was recruited by a West Virginia coaching staff, uh, knowing that that's type, that was the type of offense he was going to step into had he ever led the Mountaineers, goes in perfectly with what they said about this spring. You knew he could, th- could throw the deep ball because that's what he was – you know, recruited to do at West Virginia. So now the Eagles, knowing what they have in a quarterback, 
and developing some offensive uh, schemes to go into that skill set, I think it bodes very, very well for this offense as far as an entertainment standpoint. But the bottom line is winning and putting some points on the board. I, I just think that, uh, that he's definitely the guy. I think he always has been. And uh, now all systems go toward the fall. Another tidbit uh, brought to us by, by Heath Hinton. Um, Golden Eagles looking to sign another running back, and, and it's got to be a different type of running back. Um, Heath kind of told me uh, what he thinks, and, and I think this is true too, is that they're going to need more of a bruiser back to offset some of the, the quickness that we have. When you look at the really the four guys that played running back in the spring, Frank Gore Jr., we know what he's got, but he's 5'8", 185. Darius Mayberry, 5'9", 196. Um, another one, Antavius Willis, who was brought in from wide receiver, played a lot of running back, 5'10", 173, and then, of course, the real fast D. Baker, 6 feet, 182. What you did not hear out of my mouth the entire time there was a 200-plus back. And so um, I, I'm with Heath here. I think uh, they will. I mean, it is they're going to sign another running back, but I, I don't know Will Hall's mind, but I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be somebody that's, that's going to be 200-plus Perkins has entered the transfer portal. Obviously, Steven Anderson no longer on the team. They need somebody for, for tough yards because, Kelly, when we saw Tulane put 66 up on Southern Miss, they had two or three 200-plus backs. And Perkins was the guy they were looking to to fill that role. I mean, anybody that saw Perkins play, I mean, he was a load you know, to bring down and complimented those scat backs. So they're, they're definitely in the market for one. I, I hate it that, that Perkins entered the – transfer portal because I think he would have filled that role beautifully. But while you're on the subject of Will Hall, we're getting word out of uh, New Orleans today that there is more and more serious talk by the University of Kansas, who, of course, is in the market for a head football coach since Les Miles was unceremoniously given the gaff, that their main guy that they're looking at is the head coach at Tulane, Willie Fritz. And if Willie Fritz winds up getting the Kansas job, the people in Tulane said their obvious next guy in line was going to be Will Hall. But Southern Miss, yeah, Southern Miss snatched him up. So now Tulane may be without a coach. Again, if Willie Fritz, as rumored, goes to the University of Kansas in the Big 12. Yeah, that'll, that'll be exciting to watch. Hey, you need to stick around the Eagle Hour. The one, the only. The mouth of the South, left-handed wonder pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, Oak Grove's own Kurt McCarty on the Eagle Hour, next. Southern Miss to the top. Third segment on this Thursday brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg. They'll be showing the Southern Miss UAB this weekend if you can't get in the Pete. And again, if, if you got a ticket to the Pete, you can't go. There's fans out there that want it. So uh, be sure to to, uh, to to hook somebody up. But you can watch it at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Masters on today. All weekend long, you can also watch the Masters at 4th Street Bar and Grill. They had pork chops, 
cabbage casserole, black-eyed peas, and cornbread today. Of course, it's Bob Getty Fried Catfish Friday tomorrow. All that at 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. We are excited. I don't know how to introduce this next guest. Um, he, he's known for a lot of things. He's known uh, for his uh, his quarterback skills at Oak Grove High School, now his pitching skills professionally. In between there, he played for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Anybody that knows this guy knows he likes to talk a lot, and so that's why we have him on the Eagle Hour today. Oak Grove's own Kirk McCarty joins us deep in uh, a bunker somewhere uh, from uh, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Kirk, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Oh man, I am. Uh, I'm doing great. Doing great. Anytime I can exercise my right to talk, you know, I'll uh, jump at that. So I'm excited to talk today. And the way the government's going, you might have to exercise it pretty quick because we, none of us might be able to talk. <laughs> Ironically enough, I just got back from. We just took a trip from Columbus to Cleveland to get our vaccine. So I'm vaccinated as of two hours ago. That why you have a funny accent right now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I keep hearing this beeping in my ear. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Tell us about uh, what you're, where you're at now, man. We, uh, I, I know we were talking off air, and we followed you some in spring uh, camp. It was a little different this year, a little unique this year, but uh, you got you got to pitch against some of the big league clubs as well. Yeah, so I I, uh, I left from Gulfport uh, early in February. I was a part of our depth camp, which was was kind of like. If you're thinking of uh, the conference or, or the NCAA tournament or super or regionals or whatever, I was like the last four out. Um, so I got to go to depth camp, still a part of minor league camp, but got an opportunity to, to pitch in some some big league games um, and, and and sit in that bullpen and, and kind of get to know the staff up there a little bit. Um, and then about a week ago, I, I got uh, I got out to Columbus, Ohio, to um, what we're calling our alternate site. Um, which is just guys just staying ready in case there anything happens on the big league side, whether it be COVID or injuries. And then we start our season um, May the fourth, so a month behind of, of usual. But at this rate, we're just we're just glad to be having a season. Absolutely, everybody missed that last year. So you're in Columbus right now at the alternate site. If uh, if you stay at the alternate site, the season begins. Where will you start? You know that's a that's a great question. Um, I'm hoping to earn a spot on this roster in, in AAA, but you know, you never know. The, the organization has a plan. They they always do, and they know kind of what they think you need to be successful at the big league level. And, and if that means uh, that I need to pitch in Double A in Akron for a while, I'll be prepared to do it. But you know, I said, love to. I'd love to make this roster here in Columbus. Kelly. Yeah, Kirk, in in a couple of times we've asked you, you know, kind of off the air about different things that you've been going through, and I and I couldn't help but notice. One of the first responses out of your mouth is, man, it's such a business up here. It's such a business. Major League Baseball is such a business. What do you mean? Fill in some blanks for us. Yeah, uh, there's just so much that you learn. You hear that right when you get in as a, as a newly drafted minor leaguer, and people say it, it's a business, it's a business, and you really don't see it. But, you know, if we had an hour, I could really dive into it and, and open up. I think a lot of eyes, but but a lot of it comes down to to the roster and, and having to fit guys onto the roster and um, how that roster works that forty man roster and then the, the twenty six now um, on the big league team and there's just a, a lot that goes into it. Um, I think there's been some talks kind of publicly with what happened with the, the Mariners. It was with service time and whatnot. So 
there's a lot that there's a lot that goes in, but at the end of the day, you just have to have to hope that and know that the, the club you're with has your best interest. Um, in mind, and, and you just got to put your head down and keep playing baseball. But it is kind of because I've heard golfers say this too that that it's it's a lot different playing golf with your buddies on the weekend on the course, but then standing over a six foot putt that could mean fifty thousand dollars. And and some guys just going, it's it's very disappointing when you play the game at a high level when you realize it is that cutthroat. Yeah, absolutely. It can be. Uh... It can it can bring out some some crazy emotions in you that, that you never knew you had, but I think the great ones figure out how to kind of block those out and 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 remember that it's still a game that we grew up playing and we've played since we were five years old. Uh, it's a different stage, but it's still a game, and just to embrace that, keep having fun, and keep working. And since this is the Eagle Hour, a lot about Southern Miss sports, I know a lot of people will, will want to know what Nick Sandlin is up to and how often you guys get to stay in touch. Yeah, Salen's out here in Columbus with me. Um, so he was in he was in our big league camp, um, and he did some real special things during during camp. Uh, and and he, I watched him throw an inning uh, two days ago. It was he's thrown twice since we've been up here. Um, two days ago, he struck out the side, um, just nasty. Is he, he's he's pitching really well. Got Todd Frazier's out here. We were playing the Pirates alternate site. You know, he faced Todd Frazier, punched him out, and Frazier looked at him and kind of like gave him that like affirmation of, "Wow, that, that was a good pitch. I, I couldn't hit that." Wow. And and the final question I have for him, Luke, is, is Kirk. A lot of guys who have been up in that situation that you're in say the most frustrating thing that it, it's been for them is that nobody seems to. And this was their their perspective. Nobody really tells you, you know, from 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 anywhere. Nobody tells you where you stand, how well you're doing, what their plans are. Everything is that nobody just really communicates and, and lets you know where you fit in the pecking order. Is that, has that been your experience? I, I think in 2017, my first year, um, I, I think most clubs were like that. There was always this, like, for whatever reason, they felt they needed to keep information away from the player. But I, I can honestly say that from then to now, uh, and I can only speak to the Indians specifically, like, I think they've done a real good job of, of improving that communication between staff and player, um, and, and being transparent. And, and I think what the players have learned, we, we asked for that. We wanted that. But I think what the players have learned is that there's almost a balance where too much transparency, too much information, uh, can also be harmful. So I think we we're on the far end of the spectrum as early as 2017. And then now maybe we jumped a little far. And I think us specifically, we're finding the right balance of, how much do we do we communicate, and how much do we not bother the player with with information that at the end of the day they can't control, um, and they don't really need to know. Yeah, Kurt, we we talked to J.C. Keys, we talked to a few other guys that were you know to play in the uh, the minor leagues last year, and and how what was your approach to that? Because you had such a good. Uh, you finished so well in in, in nineteen, and and the the Indians recognized you. And man, there was big big things coming. And then we we just hit a standstill minor league wise, and almost in some ways the system gets clogged up. What was kind of your mental approach and your training approach to get you where you are now in twenty twenty one? I think mentally was was probably the toughest aspect of it. Of just you know the the Indians did a great job of, of giving us what they knew information wise, and, and gave us recommendations on how to prepare but at the same time with all the things going on in the world you're just like is this are we ever going to play minor league baseball again financially is minor league baseball going to be able to come back from this um and whenever we do it's i mean we've gotten a year older 
and, and age is is so valuable, and, and youth, I should say, is so valuable in, in minor league baseball that it's like, you know, where do I stand? I knew where I stood in 19 uh, when I finished up, and I knew where I stood in 20 in the, when we were in spring for those couple weeks. But then after a year of not doing anything and um, and just trying to stay ready the best I could, which was at Gulfport High School, throwing to their, their high school guys and um, threw with Jonathan Holder a good bit before he went back for the season. But, you know, when we – we really didn't know what the landscape of minor league baseball was going to look like, um, and so that was that was the hardest thing. Of like, I'm preparing and I'm staying prepared, but am I am I staying prepared for something that is going to happen, or is it not going to happen, or am I even going to have a job? Whatever this whole thing gets back. Luke, can I? Can yeah, I, I mean, what, can you, I, and I want to jump in here a second if I can, Luke. Is that okay? Wait. Okay. All right, Kirk. I want to ask you this too because uh, when you look at the percentage of major league rosters now. The, the numbers, percentage-wise, are going higher and higher of Latino athletes, you know, Dominican, uh, South Americans, and so on, playing more infield positions and, and outfield positions. Um, and obviously there's, there's lots of different languages that go in there. Um, describe, if you can, how you deal with having teammates, you know, at that level, too, when some of them might speak. You might have two or three different languages going on, on the same team, how in the world do you guys communicate? Yeah, early early in my career, um, when you're on lower level teams, and a lot of the Latin American players are are in the states for the first time, uh, it can be difficult. But at this point, um, we probably have on our roster right now ten or so Latin American players, and they all do. They've all worked really hard on their English. The Indians uh, value that, and if we teach English classes to our Latin American players, and they've tossed around some ideas of offering Spanish classes to our English players, uh, our English-speaking players. But you know, it, it can provide challenges. But but right now, I think on, on our roster, at least, we have a lot of guys who have worked hard to, to learn English and be able to communicate with their teammates. And even when you can't, it, it's odd and it's interesting to fi- find that. You can always figure out how to communicate about the game and about baseball. We all know how to do yeah. that. So um, we all share that language of, of speaking baseball together. But um, our group has done a really good job of, of blending those two cultures and, and figuring out how to make players teammates yeah. instead of just, just working in baseball. Kurt, we got to run, bro. We're up against a break. Thanks so much. Good luck to you this season. Awesome. Thanks for See having you, me. See you, buddy. Kirk McCarty, stick with us on the Eagle Hour after this. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment this Friday brought to you by D-Bat and D-1 Training in Hattiesburg. Weight training, speed training on the right, D-1 Training, softball and baseball instruction on the left at D-Bat. Hattiesburg and South Mississippi's premier Weight training and instruction facility, DBAT and D1, located in Hattiesburg. Michael Marcus producing from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg, along with Kelly Sander, Luke Johnson in Laurel. Thank you so much for sticking with us on the Eagle Hour. Kirk McCarty, great conversation with him. And, and Kelly, um, before I get to a couple of news and notes, just kind of bookend with Kurt. I mean, the very fact that the, that the Golden Eagles have two pitchers at the alternate site, and I think it's a pretty much given Sandlin the way he's throwing right now. Reports out of camp, he's throwing he's throwing mid nineties from from the side. I mean, that's un, 
unheard of. You heard what what Kurt said about striking out, you know, veteran player Todd Frazier and, and him recognizing the the filth that that um, Nick has. You got to think Sandlin's going to get called up this year, and and Kirk is a, a guy that the Indians really, really, really like. Pretty cool. Two of our guys at the alternate site right now. And I thought that the point Kirk made off the air too about the Indians' decision as to when to start Sandlin's clock, so to speak, um, as to, you know, when to, when for him to, to get that call is going to depend a lot on how competitive the Indians are, you know, throughout the, the season. You talk to most people, they, they look at the Twins and the White Sox as the teams to beat in that um, that American League, you know, Central Division, uh, which would mean the Indians and, and Royals, I guess, would be fighting for third and fourth, and, and maybe the Tigers are a little bit improved. But but if the Indians are not going to compete for that top spot, and they should know pretty much by midseason where things are going to shake out to a large degree, then they could decide to, to bring Sandlin up or wait until – you know the the Indians are a little bit more competitive and contend for that that uh, American League Central Division to bring them up. So it's a tough call either way, but it's nice to know. It's nice to know you've got those guys in your arsenal ready to go when they get that call. Did you teach Kirk how to pitch? No, Kirk. Kirk's man. Kirk's just a natural uh, athlete, you know, and and he's and he's smart. I mean, that's that's something that people really underestimate. I mean, he knows the game. Whatever game he's going to play, he finds out what the rules are, all right, and how he can maximize his advantage based on the rules, and then gets it done. His entire family is brilliant. You know, his, his older brother is a state representative in the Mississippi House of Representatives, one of the youngest state representatives there is. Uh, and Kirk scored nearly, I don't know, just a ridiculously high score on the ACT. So, I mean, he's always been smart. That's been the biggest difference. There's a lot of guys that could compete with him maybe athletically, although he's a terrific athlete. But Kirk is just brilliant, and that's what makes him better than the rest. Wasn't he the quarterback on the state championship team for football? He was. And, of course, he he was schooled as a quarterback by a guy named Brett Favre. That certainly doesn't hurt things either. That helps. You know, so, um, yeah, Kirk's, Kirk's terrific and great kid, too. A couple couple notes. Uh, women's soccer, Ariel Diaz has been named the Conference USA Offensive Player of the Week for the week ending April the 3rd. This is the second time this season she's been named that. Um, she had a great game against Louisiana Tech. She scored uh, with, in the 47th minute and uh, and then put, a, uh, put another one in, and so had two goals against Louisiana Tech. And so congratulations to Ariel Diaz, Conference USA Offensive Player of the Week. Hey, uh, Sander, I don't, I don't know how big you are on golf, but we got a couple minutes left. I, I am – this is one of those weekends where I found myself this morning, I, had, I was doing some stuff, I had to make some calls, and, and uh, I was looking over some stuff for, for Sunday. Just kind of had the Masters in the background, but this is something probably tomorrow. And this is – the Masters is a big deal to me. Even at the doubleheader Sunday or Saturday when I'm watching Southern Miss baseball, if we get those games in, like I'm going to be tracking the Masters. And uh, I guess I just kind of want to get your your Masters pick if if possible going into this weekend and if – you don't have one just take a shot in the dark can't can't pick tiger he's not playing well the guy one of the guys on the leaderboard right now who has is certainly more skilled than what he has shown the last couple of years is a guy out of japan named hideki matsuyama uh that's a good waynesboro name for you (laughs) matsuyama but but i think if he shows what he's capable of doing i think uh i think matsuyama you know could, could be your guy um 
And so this Sunday, you'll be watching it, Luke. I'm guessing. So you you turned from Baptist. Uh, I'll be watching it all all throughout week the weekend. So I'll on Sunday, you'll be instead of a Baptist, you'll be a Seventh Day Horizontalist. Be laying on your back. No, I mean, I will. I will catch. <laughs> I will catch. Uh, probably starting from one on. I, I will be glued to it in, until it finishes. But uh, yeah, and, and you talked uh, about Leishman go ahead. in the lead right now at four four under. I'm, you know, a guy that I want to see win. I think in in a buddy's, uh, we had some some pickums. I think I picked Rory because he was like the only stud left. I want Paul Casey to win it. I really like watching him, the Englishman. And uh, you know, probably DJ or somebody's going to pull it off. Leishman in the lead right now, four under. But but I'm for Paul Casey this weekend officially. Go ahead. Well, there was a, there's a, a buddy of mine over in the uh, by by Paul B. Johnson State Park. He and his son, a four year old, went to a tournament. And of course, four year olds don't know really how to act at tournaments. And Rory McIlroy was walking up to his ball, and the little kid ran up to him and said, "Rory Macaroni." <laughs> <laughs> and he and Rory have been buddies ever since. But it sh- should be fun. I'm hoping the Eagles get the games in this weekend against UAB. The weather's really iffy at this point. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Appreciate Perry Roth and Kirk McCarty joining us. Bob will be back tomorrow. We'll be down at Ramy Motors in Purvis. Kelly and I will. Bob will be in the studio. Steve Knight on the show tomorrow, and we will preview Southern Miss and UAB. Appreciate you sticking with us today. We'll catch you tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And as always, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.